0: You're listening to Australian Spotlight. Hailing from a small town in New South Wales, Australia, Lindsay Cornell worked for legendary Australian brand Subi before becoming global brand director for Will I Am and launching his hit eyewear label Eli Optics. We caught up in Century City for a chat. Here it is. You uh, grew up in a small town outside Newcastle or Bolton Point.
1: Bolton Point, yeah. So not many people have probably heard of it, but pretty much a lake with a row of houses and a corner store.
0: All right. What do you remember most about growing up in country New South Wales?
1: Uh, Climbing a lot of trees, uh, avoiding blue-ringed octopi. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get my grammar right there.
0: That sounded correct.
1: Yeah, octopi. Enjoying everything Australia has to offer nature-wise, I think. It's pretty surreal looking back on it now, living in a major city and and traveling all over the world, how special it was.
0: And was fashion or business or design a big part of growing up?
1: Uh, (laughs) I don't think that it was really a big priority. It was a tiny, tiny, small town. But for whatever reason, I just always looked to those industries from a really young age.
0: Was it a teacher or, or, I don't know, a, a book your grandparents gave you? What was it that kind of piqued your interest so early?
1: That's actually a really good question. Probably the first memory I have was, um, it was my birthday. I must've been young because for my birthday, I think I got $50 and That's I took serious that, for right? A kid, right? Yeah. And I just blew it all on clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and you were hooked.
0: Um,
1: yeah. And I think, I think my mum as well, um, was definitely a role model. She's a psychologist, but um, very, very into fashion and um, that kind of thing. So definitely took a leaf out of her book, too.
0: And so you ended up, I think, going to high school in Newcastle in Eastern Australia.
1: Yes. So I um, obviously lived about an hour outside of Newcastle and I went to a public school where there was 50 people in the whole school from kindergarten to year six. So uh, there wasn't even enough people to uh, have a complete class.
0: Or a footy team.
1: Yeah, right. So um, And I thought that was normal. Yeah, I I remember winning a competition when I was young, my auntie having to drive me to the, the second round and um, I think it was it was either Newcastle or Sydney and I remember just thinking, wow, there's a whole world outside of fa. <laughs> at 12 I got a scholarship to pay for my tuition to start going to Newcastle Grammar. So I, yeah, I started catching the train by myself at 12 kind of for an hour every day um, to get <laughs> to the big smoke. So yeah.
0: adventurous spirit pretty early on, is that why it sounds like you kind of were keen to go farther afield and you ended up, um, I think, enrolling at a great Australian university called University of Technology, Sydney?
1: Yes. I loved um, creative writing and um, visual arts, art theory, um, combined with fashion and branding and communications. I knew that UTS was really a leading university in that area. So at 18, off I went.
0: So 18, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, moving to the Big Smoke. On big your big own. smoke. So
1: yeah. Newcastle's big smoke. <laughs> Sydney's the double big smoke. smoke. <laughs> All right.
0: And, and Like that must have been a massive adventure. Yeah. And so I read it might have been your first year or your second year at uni, you sent a cold email to the other end of the world, which may well have kind of changed the course of, of your career and, and your life. Tell me about that.
1: Um, I was working in Sydney at a company called Inku. So it was a, a chain of um, retail stores, mm. high-end, and... Um, and with my job there, I was working with the communications director. We um, did a pop-up for a store founded in New York at Opening Ceremony. Okay. And they were pretty groundbreaking at the time. It was like early 2000s and they were first ones to ever really do something called a collaboration, which you kind of laugh at now because <laughs> it's like
0: – It's almost passe, Yeah, <laughs> it's it,
1: well, beyond passé <laughs> So, they were, they were honestly like – it was groundbreaking mm-hmm. and um, – yeah, I reached out to the company that represented Opening Ceremony, found their email online and just said that I loved everything they were doing. And yeah, didn't really have any expectations. And then based on that, kind of formed a relationship with some of their staff and they became good friends. And then later on in my life, that led to other opportunities. So yeah, looking back now, I don't know. Pretty ballsy.
0: <laughs> From that one cold call, email, meeting folks in your sort of um, cutting your teeth, ending up meeting your current boss, who is Will. I am.
1: Sounds like a great romance story. I wish that my like personal life was this like serendipitous. You <laughs> we know, don't have to get into that.
0: <laughs> was there something a lesson at your time at UTS that you think prepares you to be thrown in the deep end like that? Um,
1: no. <laughs> I mean, I look back in uh, UTS, I was like, oh, colonialism and modernity, probably didn't need to study that. <laughs> but, you know, no, I think um, going to UTS and and having that tertiary education, it just, it makes you more worldly and mm. it, it, it's a funny thing. Sometimes it's not so much the knowledge, but just being... Uh,
0: Delivering stuff on time. And no, learning, you know. no,
1: just more kind of aware of the world, right? Yeah, yeah. So... And and so my degree was, I think, a Bachelor of Arts in public communication. But I remember as we were delivering uh, final papers and, and doing exams, Twitter was just invented or, or coming out. And mm. like, OK, forget everything we just taught you, um, you Learn know, Twitter. now it's two way communication. And so coming at it from like more of a, a global, um, this is how the world's Working, yeah. kind of approach. I mean, that that I mean, it's it was essential mm. in terms of everything I've done.
0: And you did a stint at um SUBI as well, I which did. is you know, great Australian. I'm tired
1: brand. like talking about
0: it, <laughs> but did that I mean, um, did, was there a lesson you pulled from that experience? I mean, that's a pretty amazing sort of job so 100%. soon out of uni to be, um, yeah, working for them.
1: I think that the main, um, the common thread between the two is. I really kind of hate this word at the moment, but Subi and Will, like they're both disruptors, you yeah. know, so everybody's throwing that word around now. Everyone's a disruptor. Every yeah. entrepreneur is disrupting every industry. But at the time, like Dan Single and George Goro were disruptors. Yeah. Um, they're from the Northern Beaches in Sydney. They were just doing whatever they wanted in terms of expressing their creativity. And um, like I said about collaborations, they didn't hold back and, they didn't take no for an answer and I think that it's so similar to Will and Subi was Will's favorite brand which huh. helped me land my job with Will Yeah, because I had worked at Subi in Australia and um, yeah, I remember actually working at Subi and we were in Rosebury and I was just working at my desk and I looked up all of a sudden and it was Will standing at my desk like, <laughs> hey, like this was years before. Yeah, right. I met him again in New York and then ended up working for him but uh, he was there to pick up a custom jacket, and I was like, "Um, it's not here. I mean, it would probably be in the store, but it's kind of like it's just so well as well. Like that, ne- they never take no for an answer, but in the best possible way.
0: I read that one of the first things he did for Will I Am um, was a pretty epic throwing in the deep end from him to put together this huge <laughs> conference on STEM education, science, tech, yeah, um, engineering and math.
1: It was massive. So tell me about that. I yeah so I met Will through George Goro, who was the founder of Subi, and his COO kind of got to know me and and my background and he mentioned to me oh if you'd ever consider moving to Los Angeles we'd always have a job for you and I kind of thought he was joking and was so left of field and mm. I, I had no expectations of moving at that point or anything like that Mm. but we got talking and very fortunate that I qualified for the E3 visa so Mm. um, long story short jumped on the plane I'd never been to LA in my life Um, had a new roommate who was a friend of a friend Pick me up from the airport at the beginning of December to start my new job I had no idea what I was signing up for get to work on the first day after feeling like I'd just kind of been around the world because at that point I had. <laughs> and um, they said, okay, so you're first, you're now the project manager for Will's nonprofit, I'm Angel Foundation and your first job is to organize uh, his annual fundraising event, which comprises of a full-day conference and an after party uh, in six weeks' time. Oh and my goodness. And... <laughs> Off you go.
0: So you got, I mean, it sounds like you were at a young age, maybe 23, you got totally thrown in the deep end. <laughs> 23,
1: yeah. 23. That's incredible.
0: And it, and when you say fundraiser, maybe you're selling it short because it's not like you were just like selling raffle tickets. It was it was headlined no. by Bill Clinton. And yeah, <laughs>
1: so uh, the <laughs> yeah, the keynote was President Clinton and I mean the logistics around having President Clinton fly in and speak and everything that goes with that in itself was just – I mean, such an eye-opener. At that point, I didn't even know what a vendor was. Yep. <laughs> so I, I quickly learned what a vendor was. And um, yeah, to this day, I can't believe I pulled it together. new city, new country. Yeah, it, it was epic. So um, in terms of Will's nonprofit, so it's called I Am Angel Foundation. Uh, Will grew up in Boyle Heights, which is a area just past downtown LA, mm-hmm. uh, he grew up in the the projects there. His whole life um, has really dedicated himself to focusing on uh, making a change in his own backyard first and he would always tell these kids, you know, the way to get out of this situation, it's not about becoming Michael Jordan, it's about becoming Michael Dell or it's not Mm. about becoming Bill Withers, it's about becoming Bill Gates because Mm. Will really believes that if a company like WhatsApp – was founded somewhere like Watts in California, the entire city would be completely different. And Mm. he really saw uh, innovation as an education as the most empowering thing. So he has actually partnered with Lorraine Powell Jobs, who's Steve Jobs' widow, and they have a program called College Track. So selected students then go into this program called College Track after school hours um, and learn the skills necessary to go to college. And these kids, uh, a lot of them, they're the first ones in their family to finish high school, let alone go to college. Yeah. Or So some of them have gone off and gone to MIT. Wow. You know, Harvard, like, it's crazy. So he's really doing it. Not only was he in, like, educating them, creating this program, but he sort of said to himself, I'm going to take all of my money that I made as a founder of Beats by Dre and put that back into my own tech startup and show them that I'm doing it too. So. That kind of then led to the next chapter of my career, which was working on his uh, tech startup, Iron Plus, Plus. And the two are very um, intertwined. I mean, his hmm. advocacy for STEM education. I mean, technically it's STEAM, so including the A for arts. Okay. Because, you know, you kind of look at the need for creativity as well.
0: Well, you obviously um, impressed Will at the the fundraising conference because, as you mentioned, you moved into his startup and you became his sort of global brand director. What was the next project?
1: After I Am Angel, uh, Will really started taking I Am Plus seriously. I mean, um, he started building a bigger team and it went from India Uh, Bangalore, Singapore, um, to having a full-blown team in Los Angeles and now Tel Aviv and New York. And um, he could tell that I had a grasp on culture uh, Mm -hmm. and also style and and kind of how brands move in the world and my experience with Subi. And he was very instrumental in Beats becoming what it is today. And he sort of pulled me aside and said – in his will way you know i just i I need you to be more involved in im plus and just making sure you know we 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 have the product and music videos and i knew what he meant he wanted me to yeah be a brand manager and really bring that culture to the brand um Hmm. the way that beats did yeah because without culture tech brands i mean there are some that serve their purpose and don't need to be in popular culture. But for his vision, he wanted something that really was at the intersection of fashion and technology. Hmm. So the next project was working with him on his I am plus startup and yeah I mean he uh, like I said doesn't take no for an answer it amazes me I mean he took a meeting with uh, Francois-Henri Pinot, who for people who don't know he is the CEO of um, Karen Group Mm. which is one of the biggest luxury houses in the world so they have like Saint Laurent Gucci Balenciaga Stella McCartney Mm. Puma um, and he sat down with him and said look this is what's going to happen. It's not well. This is this is what is happening. You know, fashion and technology aren't just two completely separate worlds anymore. Yeah. They're colliding, and you better get ahead of it because otherwise, you're just going to be left behind in the dust. So, uh, based on that conversation, one of the first projects I worked on was uh, doing a custom wearable device uh, for Gucci mm. uh, with their new creative director at their runway show. So that was pretty cool.
0: And then you went on to, you know, play a key role in creating the eyewear line, Eli Optics, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> again, while... All of this was happening. George Goro resurfaced <laughs> and...
0: Good guy to know this, yeah, George. Yeah, yeah,
1: George. We love George. So Will has amazing friends. One of his really good friends is Angela Arantz, who's the head of retail at Apple. Mm. She was the CEO of Burberry before that. And it was actually Angela that said to Will, "Well, if you do anything, um, it has to be your own eyewear line because that's what you're known for. Like yeah. he, It's not just one of those celebrity things that he's whacked his name on. He... To me, he's like Elton John. Like if yep. you look at his collection, he is an eyewear connoisseur. Like he has been collecting avant-garde eyewear since um, he was a kid. I mean, he talks about going to the gas station or the petrol station and, <laughs> and accessorizing his outfit with glasses from there and then yeah. the Goodwill stores. And so, and Angela was right. So he thought, you know, I, I why not? I collect yeah. every kind of avant-garde eyewear from japan to germany to absolutely everywhere like why not create something for myself so he reached out to george because um he loved the subi eyewear collection so much yeah and then started building his own eyewear line because yeah that's what will does he's (laughs) a in the best possible way he's a you know Multitasker doesn't even begin to describe it. Yeah.
0: Well, same for you. I mean, it's obviously been an incredible success. Talk me through. I mean, what are the key ingredients in developing a successful brand?
1: Yeah. So the, the brand's called Eye Optics. It's actually Will Love's plays on words. So it's his name, but without the W and without the AM. And it's like ill, like cool eye, your eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So. I think that even if you're a startup or you're not a startup, um, you need to be able to behave like one. So the eyewear obviously is a startup, but for a lot of other businesses, I mean, you see, especially now, um, companies just not being able to react quick enough or there's just so much red tape or um, old guard, new guard, corporate structure, whatever it is, doing things the way they've always done it just because it's the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. And Will's never been like that. So I think it's really obvious now because we can see huge companies that we never thought would go away, like file for bankruptcy and just fall off the face of the earth because they didn't adapt. Mm. So I think as I work on brands for Will or, yeah, look, look to other companies, I think we're in a time where... Anything that has been done to date doesn't have to be the way it needs to be done. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You should be able to rethink the way that you're communicating with your customer. And because back, like I said, back when I was at university, when Twitter just came out, this whole idea of two way communication, I mean, it's beyond two way communication Mm. now, it's just 24 seven, every kind of communication with anyone and everyone around the clock. a million different ways. Yeah. So, yeah, I could talk about that for hours, but it's more so now what you do, I think, versus what you say, because there's a lot of talk happening Mm. uh, in the world. And um, it's very easy to kind of jump on a bandwagon if you're a brand or a a celebrity or... So I I really think that those who are doing versus talking about things or talking about doing things are the ones that are going to... um, really succeed.
0: So at the same time as focusing on, on the success of the brand, I mean, you've also been leading the company um, yeah. It's yeah. with a global operator. Like was it, presence in 40 countries or something?
1: So we are stuck in around 40 countries around the world um, and really had overnight success because it seemed as if Wells' aesthetic um, was very unique actually to the eyewear market and the optical market because reading glasses, traditionally have been a little bit more conservative mm-hmm. and and Will has this interesting aesthetic that is surprisingly minimal but with a twist. Mm-hmm. So and it's very him. Like it's it's blending really forward technologies with classic aesthetics back from his 80s hip-hop days when he was inspired by Run DMC and that kind of yeah. thing, but giving it this like futuristic kind of edge. So um, I do lead the team and our team's pretty tight, but yeah. then we have a great uh, team in Italy that heads up sales and then they have reps in every different country. So yeah, yeah it's a smart way of working. Um, it's very global.
0: And so, I mean, being executive director, I think is the title. Yeah. yeah. What, what What's that taught you about leadership?
1: Uh, <laughs> even just doing that conference um, showed me you can do anything like it's it's kind of common sense at the end of the day so yeah I've, I've become good at taking somewhat irrational crazy ideas and translating them to reality so that's kind of become my specialty and I don't know how to define it but Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver I like it <laughs> And I don't want to go on the whole female rant, but being a a woman and I am surrounded by a lot of men. I have been since I started with Will, just the way it is. Mm. Um, I think that now I can look back and kind of reaffirm that my leadership skills are equal or better than some I know. They might not be exactly the same Mm. as male counterparts, but I've been reading a lot. Uh, There's a book... Maureen Chiquette, I think I'm pronouncing her name right, and she was the ex-CEO of Chanel, and she wrote an entire book about this. so interesting, but it's just the way that men and women just – are different you know women are generally like a little bit more empathetic and and more likely to be open to that set of things whereas men are a lot more logical but her argument is you really need both yeah so we shouldn't have to apologize for the way we are both ways of leadership are needed I actually met Alison Webster who was who's the first female CEO of Qantas yeah. as well, um, I think at the the Vogue branch uh, for G'day USA and yeah, actually, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this, but uh, I was really inspired by her too and I reached out and kind of asked her a thought on the matter and it was really refreshing to hear her take as well because like I was saying about just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it's wrong or, you know, she was she just said being the first female CEO, there were things that – I did that no one else had done before or I needed to factor in and her results are incredible in terms of team productivity and encouragement and service and, yeah.
0: So you bring those unique perspectives as a woman to your leadership role. What about as an Australian? Is there something about growing up in Australia um, that you think has (laughs) equipped you to to have this amazing journey?
1: For sure, and I think that everybody I speak to says the same thing. I mean, Australians are just so down-to-earth really hardworking and we just get it done, you know. And yep. th- I think there's definitely traits that I had to learn. Like Australians, I think, can be possibly too humble to a fault. Yep. <laughs> um, where I kind of was a bit uncomfortable at first um, telling people what I did or embracing my talents or successes sure. because you, I don't know what it is. I think we're just – I don't know if it's tall poppy syndrome, but it's just we're we're a bit more humble, and I think that it goes both ways. Like they, we are just very upfront, um, which is great. I mm. think honesty, transparency is so important, um, and being down to earth for sure.
0: Yeah. So in your twenties, you went from a student in Sydney. Um, very quickly, you've gone to you know being a worldwide business leader with Will I Am. Where do you want to go in your thirties?
1: That sounds really fancy, actually. <laughs> Uh, well, I just turned thirty last month, Congratulations. so uh, I'll come back to you on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. You've been so generous with your time. Thank I can't you for wait to see me. what comes next. Thanks for the chat. Thank you. Please do leave us a review, subscribe, and follow the Australian Consulate General Los Angeles on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.